you have been faithful. Oh, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am oh, oh, I will sing of the goodness of Have you found him faithful? Amen. Amen. I, I can say that maybe there's times we think, where's God in all of this and where's this? But if we could only look back and see the big picture, we're going to see the faithfulness of God more than ever. God bless you. Good to be in church again tonight. I know we've got some holds here. Partly a number of our youth that are at the camp meeting this week. And I understand they're finished and that they have survived. So that is good news. And they're headed back home. And if you've got youth that are coming home from the camp and they're going to need to sleep for a couple of days, you'll know that it was a good camp. So um, in the meantime, we've got a few of our our youth helping fill in. Brandon, you're going to have to fill in. Joel, Esther, Sam, even even Landon came over to help support the youth side. So we appreciate that, Landon. (laughs) And each one. Good to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to go directly to the word. Thank you to the musicians. Let's go to the book of Malachi. This will be, as I said, Malachi 4. We're going to take this as a continuation of maybe where we started last Sunday, where we were this Sunday morning. And um, we'll take this in one vein today, and then we'll go another vein next Sunday, the Lord willing. But I want to speak on the generation of the fulfillment. I'm going to take this in in one particular way, and sometimes we look for prophecy and we look for the fulfillment of world events, and we look for what's going to come next and what's going to come next, but sometimes the very heart of what God is doing is right at our heart, and so we want to look at that a little bit tonight. Malachi Malachi 4, verse 4, remember you... The law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send who? You. In other words, God knew that you would have a receiving set that would take what he was going to send. I will send you. Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12 
For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God. Verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And just over a couple of chapters, Hebrews 13, verse 8, this is really the banner for the message that we are under, and uh, what God is still the God that we believe in. He's not a God of history, but He is a God who is very real, very present, and He's only as far away as we put Him. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. In other words, His nature is the same. God is immutable in all his ways, and we believe he is the same. If he ever acted one way for a certain situation, you can count on him to act the same way again. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that have gathered in tonight. We thank you for the camp that was, the service that was this morning. Now, Lord, in the cool of the evening, just to take a few thoughts, not to be long, but, Lord, just to take a few thoughts, we ask you to bring us together. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the sound that we are under. Lord, many places we could be. Lord, there's duties, there's tasks, but tonight we just have a few minutes to sit at our feet. Lord, cause us to reflect, to meditate, to think. Lord, cause us also to know you and know your ways in a greater manner. Bless each one here tonight. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. You may have your seats. I'm going to ask you to turn with me um, to the book of John, chapter 14. I'm going to read from there in a moment. Tonight, I, 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 I want you to think for a moment, and, and this will maybe involve you looking at yourself a little bit. But in, in, in one of the messages, the prophet would declare, and he would say, You've always known, if you were a Christian today, that in you there was a yearning for something more. There was always a desire for something more. I remember the the, I, was, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I wanted to fit in at school. I wanted to fit in in the fashions of this day. I wanted to be in, in, in what was the social acceptance of the world. And I, I strove for that. I was a teenager. I remember going to church on Sunday mornings, and I'd have to bypass my friend's house, and I'd always duck my head so they wouldn't see me, you know, going to church on Sunday, because I thought that was strange or unusual. And, you know, that was while I was not born again, not regenerated. And I went out in the world, and I did a lot of things, and I thirsted for the things. There was a, it was a hunger inside of me. It longed for things. I couldn't understand it. And it, it led me into a lot of dark places. But at the end of it all, there was nothing. 
At the end of it, it was more darkness. It was more pain. It brought me into places, and, and it brought me into scars of life. And it was in the middle of all of that that God got my attention, and I was working out on Vancouver Island. I was alone. I was away from the influences of my friends. God was beginning to deal with me and speak to me. But I could say, honestly, at that time, I reflected, it was always in my heart. I always desired something more than what was out there. I was looking everywhere for it, but it was there all the time. And I would, I would say as I, as I was there reflecting, and I, I remember I'd be out in, the nature, in nature, I love the ocean, and I would sit by the ocean at the seaside for hours and say, where is the God of creation? Where is the God that formed the earth? And he says, I long to know him. I, I, you know, I could have an identification with things. And I was out there in all of that, and I, I just remember it was that time God just began to deal with me and speak to me. And I realized it was there all the time. And uh, so I, I would say if, if you're a real uh, Christian, you desire God, it's, it's, he's already prepared the way. He's already put something in you. I'm going to read John 14. Now, this is Jesus in the time, of, uh, in the time that he's on earth. And, and I, it's just a principle that I'm, I'm going to establish just from my thought pattern here. And... He's speaking now, John 13 was where um, he had all his disciples come together for the Last Supper. He gave Judas the sop. Judas went out and he began to betray him. And in the very hour of his betrayal, Jesus began to whisper some of the most intimate scripture to his disciples. And he's telling them, I must go away. I've got to go away, but he says, I'm going to prepare a place to you. I'm going to receive you, and so I, I want to pick this up, and, uh, and, and this is in, in verse 8, John 14, verse 8. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. It sufficeth us, he says. And now Philip is desiring to know the God, the mysterious God, and Jesus is saying unto him, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and you have not known me? He that has seen the Father, he that has seen me, hath seen the Father. And he said, And how sayest thou, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So here is a vessel on earth. God was the great eternal spirit. God, you know, no man could see God at any time. It was only Moses that had desired to see God in the flesh. And it was Moses that spoke lip to ear. But he hadn't really seen him. And he said, Lord, I desire to see you. And God showed him and he says, okay, I'm going to go behind a rock. And he says, now he showed him, and what he saw was the back part of a man. He couldn't look at his face, but he saw the back part of a man. So Moses had, you know, Moses was really a dispensational prophet. And Moses began to reflect. It was Moses who had said, the Lord God will raise up a prophet like unto me. And it was Moses who had declared that, and it was Moses who was there at Mount Transfiguration with Elijah. 
And they began to speak to Jesus about things regarding his decease. They were prophets. Both were prophets that were taken up before they ever were deceased. Moses, they looked for him. They couldn't find him. Elijah was taken up in, in one day in a whirlwind. And so both of them, but there they appeared on Mount Transfiguration. And here was Jesus with them. And, and the Bible would say, you know, if Peter and James and John were there, they came up and they, you know, Peter was the ultimate spokesman. He, 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 he would say a lot of things and He'd get rebuked sometimes, and other times he would say, wow, I said the right thing, you know. And, but, but it was always Peter who did that. He said, let's build three tabernacles. But then there's a voice of vindication from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And when he looked up, there was no Moses. There was no Elijah. There was nobody save Jesus only. So it was God's desire to reflect himself in, in the office, in the office of an earthly being that humans and beings could relate to. And it's always God who makes himself known. And, and we've always desired to see God with skin on. We've desired to see a God who's reality. We don't just want to have uh, you know, a, a sign, a fantastic, those things are there, something that you can't explain, but you want it to be personal, and you want it to relate to you, and you want it to know that it is God who you have seen, and God who has seen you, more importantly. The, the little girl that, that was there when the king came from England, and he was driving up, and I, I, I've been there, it's called King George's Way in, in Vancouver, and the whole class was outside, and, and they would, uh, they'd gone to see the king come by. And, and, and as the king drove by in his motorcade, and, and everybody was waving, and the king, and they all had a glimpse. They could say, I, I caught, I saw the king, and one little girl, after it was all done, she was crying. And the teacher said, why are you crying? Didn't you see the king? I saw the king, but the king didn't see me. And, and, and you know, the first time we can recognize that it's not us just catching a glimpse of him, but him turning to us. And he's a very personal God. And he wants to make himself known to us personally. He is a personal God. He knows our address. He knows where we live. He knows, he knows what, what we are encompassed about with. And the first time that God will ever make himself known, and I've been in services, I've been in meetings where I've had things on my heart that were very dear, and I know the man that is ministering knows nothing about it, but he'll say something, and I'll say, nobody, nobody knew that except for God. And I know then that I have, I have caught a part of God, and I believe he's that kind of a God. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what, what we desire, and, and he wants to make himself known to us. Now, so here is the disciples. They themselves are desiring to see Jesus, and, and he says, you know, I, I, we want to see, see the Lord and, 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 and show us the Father, he says, and then he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And he would go on to say now in verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me 
for the very work's sake. And then he will say in verse 12, and I believe these are notable words for us. It's for every one of us. This is not for ministers. This is for every one of us. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than, than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, uh, in verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So it was God the Father coming down, manifest in the Son, but would be ascending up on high, released back to us in the form of the Holy Spirit, the same God working all the time. Verse 17, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. Verse 20, at that day. Now, I, we are living in a great day, and then you take these phrases in the Bible, at that day, at that time. And I believe we are at a junction of time like never before. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now that's not just putting God in, 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 in up in heaven, back on earth in man form, and back up in spirit form, but the spirit form it's recognizing the same God that talked to the woman at the well. The same God that walked on the sea. The same God that spoke the creation is the same God that is dwelling in me. Now that is amazing. That is almost, that'll blow your mind. But I believe it's a reality. I believe it's a hunger. I believe it's a desire to know the living God. So I, I, I bring these things. There's more I could read out of the book of John. But I'm going to go back now for a moment because we're talking about that day. So I'm going to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, we, we, Malachi talks about Moses. It talks about Elijah. Um, we dealt a little last week with the magnification of Moses, the prophetic office that would play out and that Jesus Christ himself was that, but I'm going to take a little bit further on Elijah, and we spoke some last week on Elijah. We spoke this morning on the generation that would receive, so we're, we're now making it a little bit more personal tonight about the individual within a generation, but I want to just take Elijah because Elijah is one of the most interesting individuals in the Bible and has a very distinctive nature. So the first words, we, we, the Bible will tell us nothing about any 1 Kings 17, and this is in verse 1. This is the first mention of Elijah in the Bible. It says, and Elijah the Tishbite. Now, I, I was young, and somebody, I heard it, and I thought it was a fish bite. And uh, I thought, well, man, that must have been a big fish. And, you know, you have all kinds of thoughts when you're young, right? But anyway, Elijah the Tishbite, I don't know about the Tishbites, but anyway, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, 
said unto Ahab, now just, just catch the picture. They don't know anything about this guy. He came out of the woods. He came, he, he didn't know where he came from, where he went. But the throne of, of Israel that day was King Ahab's dominion. And he came up directly into, up before Ahab. Ahab, who was of the kings that had deteriorated the conditions of Israel. Ahab had married Jezebel, it was a heathen woman. And, and, it, and it seemed like Israel was in a fallen condition, but that was the condition required for Elijah. And he said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, I, if you could just take the scene, you know, here is, here is Ahab sitting in his, his, his chair and his throne, and all of a sudden this guy comes in, and he was a hairy guy. Uh, there, there's some characteristics that tell about him, just kind of a rough-looking wilderness man, and he comes in, and he just puts his staff down and said, there's not going to be any rain, nor even dew, unless I call for it. Now that is a bold declaration. And they all laughed him off and he stormed out and there must have been some chuckling going on in the camp. Who is that guy, you know? And, and, you know? and then, you know, the weather forecast for the next little while, well, there's a lot of sunshine in the forecast. There's not a lot of rain happening here. Man, it's a, that guy timed his thing pretty good. He's trying to make us believe him. And well, it, 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 it happened that there wasn't even dew in the mornings. Things began to dry up. Things began to, to change. Now, you would think God would invest all of that in one man. But God took great pains to vindicate his word. And as we said, he spoke by prophets. That was God's manner of speaking. So it was Elijah that spoke the word that affected a whole nation. It's still God's word today. So, you know, we, I won't read all of this, but we, we read now where God says to him, now just go up and hide by a brook that's called Cherith near Jordan, and I'm going to command the ravens to feed you. And they would bring him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank by the brook. And now, because of the words of his prophecy, even, even the brook dried up. Because there'd been no rain in the land. And now, so this is what we would call the nationalistic scene. But in the middle of all this prophecy and things were happening, and you know, I'm not going to go into all of this, but you can read in, 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 uh, in, in 1 Kings 18 about Obadiah, the faithful governor who hid the other prophets. And, and you could read about all of this and, and, and how Elijah made himself known to them. But it was in the middle of all of this nationalistic scene that there was a little widow woman. And the woman was a faithful believer. And she was affected by the things. But it was in the middle of all of this prophecy, God came right to her house in the form of Elijah. I send you Elijah the prophet. And he would come and he went right down to her. And here she is. We, we read the story. There, you know, the brook dries up. And God says to Elijah, now go down to this place, Zarephath, which is in Zidon. And there's a little woman that I have commanded to feed you. 
Now the woman knew nothing about the command. And, and Elijah thought, well, God's going to take care of me. So as much as there had to be an Elijah, there had to be a place for Elijah to be received. And Elijah had to have a habitation or a dwelling place. So, and here she is, and she's down to her last meal. And we can pick this up in verse 10. And, and he came to the gate of the city, and here was this widow woman gathering up sticks. And he said to her, fetch me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it, and he called her and said, bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand. And now here's her pitiful cry. I have nothing but a cake and a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for my son. And that this is our last meal and we're going to die. And Elijah says, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me a cake first. Put God first. And he says, and bring it to me, and after that, make it for you and your son. And, and all of a sudden, she's about to turn, but here comes the same word. The same word that stopped the dew from hitting the earth. The same word that stopped the rain from coming down. The same word that was there and hit the whole world, but it spoke to her, and it said, for thus saith the Lord, your barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall your cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain. Now that is amazing to me. I don't know what the neighbors were doing around that household. You know, the neighbors that were there, they saw this widow woman. She knew that she didn't have a lot, and she knew that she had a visitor. They knew she had a visitor one day, and it was this, this, this fuzzy-faced guy with a beard and a wilderness man. And, but somehow, here it was, every day, something was happening behind that house, some, every day she'd come out, and while the whole world was languishing, she had food every day. And I say spiritually, friends, I showed you some clips this morning of different churches and the watered-down gospel that is being preached when it's a prosperity gospel, when it's an inclusion gospel. That was never the gospel that God has intended for us. It is a gospel. God's word is true. He made a man a man. He made a woman a woman. He didn't cross all of these things. And it wasn't what the popular opinion of the day is. But I'll tell you, the world is dying to hear the true gospel truth. And somewhere, there are a few that are desiring to hear it too. But those that receive him, what happens? They receive the benefit of life. I don't know what our neighbors think over here. You know, we come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and uh, I know what the neighbors on this side think because they come to church with us. But um, at least for another couple of days, they're moving into a new house soon, right? God bless you, Brother John. <laughs> well, we, were, we, we didn't kick you out before, you know, your new date. Happy for you. Happy the Lord's given you. But, you know, I, I, I imagine, like, like, as I told you this morning when I had the solicitation on the call, and they, they just said, well, what do you folks do every, all the time anyway? If you don't watch movies, you don't watch this, da, 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 da. Well, uh, we like going to church. 
Well, yeah, Sunday morning, yeah, but we go Sunday night too. And, and Wednesday, like, is that all you guys do? Like, no, it's not. We, we love to hear the things of God. We love to walk with God. It's not just about attending church. It's about having him walk home with you, having him wake up with you. This is just a place that we, we sit at his feet and we learn more of him. But I'll tell you what, there's a life that's sustained by the ministry of Elijah. So there's, there's, a, there's a global gospel, but there's a very personal gospel. Now, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I want to get to a couple of things, and I don't want to be long. So, you know, here's First Kings. This is the first appearing of Elijah. And if you actually look at the ministry of Elijah, there are four major miracles that are under Elijah. And the miracles in the gospel of Elijah is actually on a very nationalistic level. He calls down fire from heaven. He stops the rain coming. It, it's, it's very much so. But God did not finish with the spirit of Elijah because he said, there is something about that spirit that I can use, the nature of it, and I like the way I can use it. And so, therefore, it was Elijah who knew he was going to be leaving at one point, and I'm going to now jump some, some quantum leaps here. But, but it was Elijah who knew where he's going. And as I said this morning, it was Elijah that saw Elisha and he saw him furrowing in a field and he said, come and follow me. Burn your, your yoke, your, 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 your yoke, your oxen, your things and follow me. And it was Elijah that followed those things. And it was Elijah, now I'll, I'll jump ahead to 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. Now, here, here, all the religious leaders knew that Elijah was leaving, and, uh, and it was uh, Elijah who actually, uh, I, I didn't get into the whole thing of Elijah's prophecies, I'll save that for another service, but he knew before he'd leave, and, and when he called down fire and from heaven and burnt up all of Jezebel's prophets and, uh, and such, but, but here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue in this vein now the carry over to Elijah, 1 Kings, 2 Kings 1, verse 8. They were talking about the description of Elijah. He was a hairy man. He was girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. So now this is when they want to call down fire from heaven. And finally, if we drop down, and uh, I want, I'm going to go to chapter 2. And it came to pass, in verse 1, that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went from Elijah, with Elijah from Gilgal. And here is Elijah's desire. He, he, Elisha's desire. He'd been following Elijah and he said, now, uh, he knew that the sons of prophets, I'm not going to read all of this, but, but he desired that, that down in verse, now, well, let's just read verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither, and the two went across on dry ground. And it came to pass, as they were gone over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they went on and they talked, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, and parted them up both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. 
And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen. So in other words, this was the value of Elijah to Elisha. It meant as much as Israel and all the horsemen and all that the nation had to have Elijah. Now, he took a hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in pieces, and he took up the mantle of Elijah. Now, now just watch this. So now the anointing, God always takes a man, but he doesn't take his spirit. He, now there's going to be a double portion that's going to come on Elisha. And he says in verse 14, and he took the mantle of Elijah and smote the water and said, he didn't ask this question, where is Elijah? He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he and when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over, and the sons of the prophets that were watching, and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Now this is God showing how he will take a spirit and he'll bring it over. So the spirit of Elijah transferred over to Elisha. But it was, now it was Elijah with four miracles, now it's Elisha, if you follow it through, eight miracles. But the miracles become more personal. It becomes uh, a man who lost his axe head, his, his livelihood. So now it's God coming to a personal level into the lives of the people. It, it, it comes to a woman who was in debt and had lost her husband. And it was the same God that provided the oil, now provides it for a woman in debt. It was the same Elijah anointing, but now where is it going? It's coming right to the hearts of all of us. So it's God magnifying himself, bringing himself in a greater way, doing all of these things. It was also a Shunammite woman, a, a woman who desired a son and couldn't have a son, just like the woman who lost her son in 1 Kings 17. This woman, she did the same thing that the first woman did. She built a room for Elisha. She built a place that he could inhabit. Friends, to Jesus would say, if you receive him whom I send, you receive me. So it was all of these things. Now, I, I, I'll leave it there. That's the Old Testament. That's the, the two. But now the Bible takes us all the way to Malachi, and it brings, as he said, other appearings of Elijah. And really it talks about the great day of the Lord, but there's a twofold manner, which we touched on last Sunday. But if you want to take it, there's always a magnification of the two. Now, the Elisha appearing number three and number four, both of these were going to be forerunners. Both of these were going to be messengers that were going to introduce Jesus Christ. That we're going to introduce the, the, the Son of Man, the prophetic ministry that God was going to come on the earth. But God would prepare the people. So John the Baptist would be the one who would have a six-month ministry. And he would have a six-month ministry and he got the people ready. And as I said, last Sunday I said, he turned in one day. He was pointing, there's a one that's going to come. And the next day he said, he's here. He's here. This is him. I must decrease. So it's a very faithful spirit. 
Now, that's John, but I want, I'm going to bring us right up to where we're at. We could look at Malachi 4, and I'd say every one of us, you, you, you look at the world around us, we've heard signs. I mean, our very church is called End Time Message Tabernacle. What does that mean? Because God said there's going to be a message to prepare the people before his second coming. And he was going to use the spirit of Elijah again. One of, you know, and I just, I just say, God puts in the hearts of the people what God's going to send. And just like the first Elijah, he doesn't send a trained theologian. He doesn't send somebody, but he takes somebody who is from out of obscurity and he brings them on the scene. Now the first the, the coming, the first introduction to Messiah was John the Baptist. Six-month message, no signs, no wonders. Second appearing now is going to be signs and wonders, like Moses, two signs, preparing the way for the message. One of the most amazing books is, this is done by David Edwin Harrell. It's called All Things Are Possible. And this man is a secular man, and he has written on the healing revival in America in the 1950s. So he writes about all the great men of God, Jack Coe. He writes about um, Oral Roberts. He writes about all, all the different ones, and he goes all of this. But he points to the very heart of the revival, and he goes and he says, none had a ministry like William Branham. He said it was a ministry accompanied by the supernatural. It started with a visitation of an angel. Well, it actually started in 1933 when he was baptizing on the Ohio River and a light appeared on the river saying that you'll have a message that will come. And he would see dreams and visions and he would see these things and he couldn't help it and he didn't understand it but it was in 1946 as God was dealing with him in a cave that an angel appeared to him and it said if you if you stand with me and you get the people to believe nothing will stand before your prayers not even cancer now now David Edwin Harrell he he reaffirms all of these things and he makes some interesting, interesting comments, and he talks about this. He said, the story of the life of William Branham is so out of this world and beyond the ordinary that there is a host, there's not available a host of infallible proofs which document and attest its authenticity, which there is. He said, one might be excused to say it's far-fetched and incredible. And he talks about the visitation on May 7th, and he goes on from there. And he talks about the things. Now, I go back to... God was drawing attention to something. And in all of this, I, I would say now, now we're seeing something come forth that was greater. Now, there, there was two signs given, like the sign of Moses. One, Moses had one sign, which was the sign in his hand. He would, he would, he would, he would uh, pull it inside, and it would turn leprous, and he would pull it back out, and it would be not leprous. And that was a sign that was given. Well, Pharaoh didn't believe that sign. He said, well, if Pharaoh won't believe the first sign, he'll believe the second time. Take your, 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 your staff and throw down your staff and, and do that. So, and, and, and that was replicated too. So the signs could be reproduced, but the signs were actually real. They were pointing to something. 
So was it with, with Brother Branham. His, the, the sign that he had, with, which was taking his hand when people were in a prayer line, he, it would reverberate when there was a disease on them, and he would know there was a disease, and he would touch the physical realm. But it said it'll come to pass that you'll also know the secrets of the hearts of the people. Now this was not just a guess or a hit and a miss, but it was an angel that stood beside him at a platform. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back. Go with me to the book of Genesis for a moment. Genesis, Genesis chapter eight, 18. Now, we, we spoke about God's generational covenant with Abraham. But I want you to look at what God did in, in the appearing to Abraham. And this is when Abraham is now just about at the time of fulfillment of the promised son of Isaac. And it says in verse 18, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground. Now look at his words, Abraham. My Lord. There were three men, but he recognized one of them was my Lord. It was different than the two angels that went down to Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he said, my Lord's. Hey, it's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And by revelation, Abraham saw it. And he said, my Lord, if now I found favor, don't pass. Let me, let me you know, wash your feet. I'll fetch you a morsel of bread. I'm going to surmise some of this. And Abraham uh, hastened to Sarah, went in the tent. They made this all, etc. Now in verse 9, now here's, here's the whole thing. He's appeared to Abraham before. In the form of Melchizedek, he's appeared to him in dreams, he's appeared to him in voice, and he spoke to him. But this time he's coming and he says, where is Sarah, your wife? Now, Sarah would have to be the vessel that would bring forth the promised son. Now, and he, and he said, she's in the tent behind me. And these are the words now remember, the same words that God speaks in the national level are also personal. I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah thy wife shall have a son, and Sarah heard it in the tent door. She was behind him. Now here's Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were old, stricken in age. It ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And here's Sarah, look at what the Bible says. Wherefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And now outside the tent. Now Sarah didn't laugh out loud. She laughed in her heart. God spoke a word. She laughed. She said, that's never going to happen. And the Lord says, verse 13, Wherefore did the Lord, and the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying of surety, Shall I, shall I of surety bear a child when I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return according to the time, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, because she was afraid. Can you imagine? It was kind of a nervous laugh. And he said, nay, you did laugh. And the men rose up. Now, 
we can follow the scriptures through. Sarah at this time was 90 years old. Abraham was 100 years old. They never could have children, but God had promised him in Genesis 12, you will have children. But now at the season, at the time of fulfillment, he comes and discerns their hearts. And he lets them know, I know exactly where you're at. Now, I, I'm going I'm to really take some leaps because I don't want to be long. But I, I'm saying, this is a principle in the Bible. Now, I'm, Danny, if you get ready to play the first clip. This is a, a portion of Scripture in John chapter 4 that we have heard and talked about all the time. But it was a woman who was in a difficult state, and now God is going to meet her. And the same thing he did with Abraham and Sarah, he's going to do with her. Now, this is from the Chosen series, and sometimes, you know, we could, we could, read, we could read the Scripture, but I want to just take this account and, and take it this way, and I want you to see how he approaches her. He approaches her first in a flesh realm. She recognizes a Jew. Second, she recognizes a prophet. Thirdly, she recognizes the Messiah. So we're going to play this. It's about seven minutes, eight minutes long, I believe, in this clip. If you play that. A drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out new in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would, except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. Hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by 
Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. You promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Your water? You forgot your um. Taxi, your man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> Sometimes a picture is worth more. Now, the scripture would say the woman went into the city, and because of her testimony, many believed. Now, he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The one that came to Abraham and Sarah proved himself alive in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I'm going to take one more clip from this series. And again, I'm going to just focus on what God puts in your hearts. Brother Owen Jorgensen, he wrote the books, not these books, but the supernatural books, the life of William Branham, and he documented it. It's a wonderful story. It's just, he put all of these things. It's, it's incredible to read it sometime. I've got an audio I play of it as well, but his wife is Sister Elizabeth. We've known her for many years. Her husband, Orland Anderson, passed away. Sister Elizabeth was, all her life, she was, didn't know anything of God, and she was a very intellectual person. She has a PhD. She could play many musical instruments. She could do many things. She uh, came to a scripture in the Bible one time, and it said, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day. So, well, she said, until Elijah comes, there's nothing for me to do. And she lived her life as she lived. And one day she was in Vancouver at the time working in a clinic. She was just like a hippie. She was just, you know, living whatever, cursing, swearing, doing all kinds of things. And she heard about a man named Ed Biskel who was going to tell the story of his experiences with the prophet. And he says, the prophet, and that caught her eye, caught her ear rather. And she says, well, I'll come and hear it. So it was a Friday night, and she went to hear the testimony and God so dropped in her heart, she came back to work on Monday morning, no more cursing, no more swearing. It was a change because she knew God had met the desire that he already had placed in her heart. Now, we all have a hunger, we all have a desire, and there's parts of it that God only knows. Now, there was another woman in the Bible and this is the account of the woman with the blood issue. So I want to play this clip as well. And then I'm going to play something else after that. 
So go ahead with that, Brother Dan. Simon's house. We need to get through. Come back. It's your rabbi. Stay here. A rabbi has a pressing matter ahead. Come back. Question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I know I should have asked. But if if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? 
a man from the pool. And he was right. The blood is seized. Rachel Notley wants you to forget about Premier Rachel My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. instant I felt it right away I know but it wasn't this it was your faith Jesus. teacher she was bleeding so long we can take her she is clean Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to look at the nature of God, the one that came to Abraham and Sarah, the one that was promised to come, and Jesus Christ, but also was promised in this last day. And I'm going to play two more clips for you. And I want you to look at the nature that's behind it. This next part is from something you're all acquainted with. It was a film of Brother Branham. But it wasn't just Brother Branham on the stage. It was God who was declaring his nature to us again. Let's just go ahead and play that, Brother Dan. You're at the platform now. And may he bless and help. I've never been in this country before. And as far as I know, there's not a living soul that I can see before me that I know. Very few here on the platform. Brother Bose, I remember him. 
I've seen the man there next to him. I don't remember his name, but... And I... Brother Lindsay, just a, maybe three or four ministers sitting here that I know in the building. But God knows all of you. Is that true? He knows all of you. Now, this lady standing here, God in heaven knows I've never seen her in my life as I know of. Are we strangers, lady? Yes. We are perfect strangers. But God knows her. Now, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, let's change the picture now, what he was yesterday, when he was going to find out something about a woman. He said, bring me a drink. She said, why, it's not customary for this to happen, Jews and so forth with the Samaritans. But Jesus, speaking to her a little while, he found just where her trouble was. Is that right? Yeah. Well, now, if Jesus has risen from the dead, now, as living in us tonight, a little while the world sees me no more, yet you shall see me, for I, as a personal pronoun, I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. That's the gospel truth. You might not have read it that way or thought of it that way, but that's the way it's written in the Bible. That's, your theology might have bypassed it somewhere, but that's the way it's written in the Bible. I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Now. Uh, you know I'm waiting for something. That is true. It's the angel of the law. <laughs> That's true. I'm just as helpless as it could be, just like any of the rest of you. And I'm here, perhaps, with critics sitting here. How many ever seen his picture? I've noted in my meetings and seen where the scientific taking his picture as a great light. It comes in. You can watch it. Yes, many of you. It's sold. Thousands of copies of it has been sold and so forth. The Douglas Studios in Houston, Texas has it where George J. Lacey, the one of the best in the research in America, taking an exhibit everything to see it wasn't a double exposure or something, and Jesus Christ has vindicated himself as being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, of course, I wait for him. Whether he will help me tonight, I do not know. And if I have said anything boastfully or anything that I've said out of the way, may God forgive me. I wouldn't mean to do it. I only mean with humbleness of heart to represent Jesus Christ, who's listening to me now. And may his mercy be here tonight. Being that I've spoke these things, and that being his word, may he come and help us, is my prayer. And now, as the organist here somewhere, if she will slowly, please, real low, the song only believe. And everybody, please be in a, a mood of prayer, if you will. You don't have to bow your head, but you're asked. Now in the prayer line, you just coming. What be if he rebukes you? You must if it's it'll be the truth. If it is, you must be willing to stand it. In the audience anywhere, if he says, you must know it's not me, it's him. And go make it right. The first thing you can do before you can find a cure, you've got to find the cause before you can find a cure. If you go to a doctor sick and upset and he gives you an aspirin, he's not a good doctor. He's trying to get rid of you. If he's a good doctor, he'll diagnose the case till he finds the trouble and then start working from there. That's the same thing we have to do here. If an evil spirit, if there's unconfessed sin or something, or some out of the will of God, you can anoint them all night long and cry and scream and do all you wish to, that demon will stay right there. That's right. He has a right to. But that's what you have to watch. God has put a curse on somebody for something, then you come along and take it off. You get in trouble like Moses did. That's right. He's here. The Holy Spirit. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I take every person in here under my control for God's glory. Now, I want to talk to you a minute, sister. 
you're conscious that something's going on, of course. It, it, it just now happened. Now, if that is true, let the people see by your uplifted hand. That's right, see. It's, that's that, his presence. Yes. That's right, see. Now, I, I'm a stranger to you, never seeing in my life. And now, if the Holy Spirit that I have spoke of, of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, if I have truly witnessed that to the people and declared it to be the truth, and he is the same, then he will reveal to me something to you that would help you to believe him. If you're here, I don't know what you have need of, whether, uh, but he does. Now, if God will permit that, would you accept your healing and, or, or whatever it is you want finance or whatever it is you're here to seek him for, to ask him about, or domestic troubles, whatever it might be, whatever it is, he'll know and he'll be able to let me know. Is that right? Right. And that would make him the same as he talked to the woman at the well. Yes. Now, I'm only talking to you like he did to contact your spirit. And I see you moving from me. You're, you're, you've had a, I see a great crash of some sort. It's yes. an accident. Yes, yes. And you, yes. it was a car uh, wreck. Yes. And you were thrown in the air yes. like that. Yes. And it strained you in somewhere in your neck. It's caused a, a cancer yes. to come into your neck. Uh, or, and you're some sort of a teach in the scripture. And you believe that Jesus Christ makes you well? I do. Father God, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, on the authority of God's word by a dying woman, I ask this evil thing to leave her. Satan, you are exposed. So come out of the woman as the church of the living God calls for you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, just for just a moment, I just want to talk to you. Of course, you know it's gone now. Oh, yes. It'll stay that way. See how your throat left? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Praise the it's Lord. It's all gone from her. The, the garter has left her throat. And she, God bless you. Go on your road now and be thankful. Happy and rejoice. Mm-hmm. Now, just have faith in the Lord Jesus. Make him in your center of your thought right now. The Lord Jesus, as you think on these things, while they were thinking on these things, they were one accord. Remember, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same today. Now have faith. Watch this way, audience, and believe with all your heart and give me your undivided attention. Be in prayer. Keep faith in God. Now, I believe this is the lady. Is this the patient? Yes. All right, come near, sister. Of course, that won't hurt you now. That's, that's just his presence that you're conscious of. And I'd, an audience, I'm, I'm your brother. I, this is not psychology. I felt that come into the audience. It isn't. It's Almighty God. Yeah. See, it's not psychology. No, it isn't. Now, don't do that. Just think of being the Lord Jesus. See, and one accord. Now, sister, I just want to speak with you just a moment. We're strangers, I suppose. But Jesus Christ knows the both of us. This is our first time meeting on earth. 
But he knows you, and he's fed you all your life, and he knows me. And if I, your brother, and by his grace, by a divine gift, that I had nothing to do with it coming, I was born a little baby, the first thing I can remember was the vision. Now, I want you to look this way just a moment. Of course, you're sick. And you're suffering with uh, a condition that's a, it's a dark spirit around you. It's death. And it's in a form of cancer. And the cancer is located on the breast. And you're seeing you're examined by someone strong, and it's a, you got a, a ruptured condition. And the rupture is in the bowels. And you have a stomach trouble also. A severe heart trouble, it caused you fainty. Uh, uh, here a few days ago, you're sitting sideways on the side of a bed and nearly passed out looking towards your window. Are those things the truth? Yes, that all was true. All true. Well, whatever it was, of course, it's gone from you. But what do you think that was that knows your life? Was it Jesus Christ? You accepted to be that? Yes. Thank you. And I do You're willing, you know that something supernatural is here. Yes. And if you believe it to be the Lord Jesus, as I have preached it out of the Word, and you believe it to be the Lord Jesus, yes, I, do. I know there's a dark spirit of fear hanging at you yet. It's something very serious. Yes. Say, I see you. Your name is uh, Eva. Yes. And your last name is York. Yes. And you live in this city. Yes, and your house number is 613 6th Street. Yes. Is that right? Yes. You're going home to be well. Oh. In the name of Jesus Christ, you may you go and be made well. God bless you. Just go rejoice in heaven. The nature of God. His desire is to come to us, to our address, to our place. And if you look in each of this, when he makes that known, it releases faith and you touch him. If God knows, and why would God make things known? Just so that we, he knows about us and then we can reach out to him. I'm going to play one more clip, just a short clip. And then we're going to close after that. But I just want you to look at that. I showed these others, friends, because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One more clip. This is Brother Branham in Chicago. But the only thing this is to do is to glorify God and to reveal Jesus Christ. That when he was here on earth, he did this very same thing. All Bible readers believe that, say amen. And he said, when I go away, now come again a little while, and the world will see me no more. That's the unbelievers. But ye shall see me, who? The believers. For I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Is that true? Then it's sin to disbelieve. Go ye and sin no more, or disbelieve no more, or a worse thing than this will come upon you, said Jesus. Is that true? Then we must believe. 
It's got to be a belief or perish. If I was God, if they couldn't take my word for it, that would settle it. But people still don't take the word, then signs and wonders are added into the church as Jesus Christ promised to do. And to my honest belief, I believe he's finishing up right now with the Gentiles and will turn to the Jews right away. And the Gentiles will be left in their dogmas and the things that they've got, their creeds and cold formal denominations, and the church will be raptured and tucked up and the gospel will go to the Jews. Amen. Amen means so be it. All right. Excuse me, sister. I have to relax my mind. Now we will be strangers. I see that you are strictly a stranger to me. You're from away from here. You come from another city. You've got a lot of trouble on your heart. you got hard trouble to begin with. Is that right? There's a whole lot of blackness. I see a black sheep keep following you like that. Oh, it's a lie. Somebody stole a lie on you. And that was a man was professing divine healing. He said you was a witch. Is that true? And you've got a whole stir in your church or something other about it. Isn't that right? Your pastor's sick right now. He's got polio. Is that right? Sister, don't pay attention to what them people tell you. They're alive. And the only thing's wrong with your heart is that nervous condition got your heart worked up. Go on home in peace, and God bless you. You're all right. God bless you. You're not all right. Believe with all your heart. Leave God to heal you. Leave you to make you well about it. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll heal the woman, and may she get completely whole. I ask this blessing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Go on your road rejoicing, saying, thank you, Lord, and you'll get well. Come, lady. Almighty God, author of life, give this woman her perfect health in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Just a minute. Something happened to you. You know that. You're aware of that. Is that right? Why, it's all over the building. And every person here could be healed right now if you'd believe it. You believe this? Have faith in God. Are you one of the ushers, sir? All right, sir. That lady sitting right there got heart trouble. That speckled dress on. Stand up, lady. He just healed you. They have that heart trouble. You believe that with all your heart? All right. There sits a lady there with her handkerchief up crying. Just had a lick on the head the other day. She's got a headache. It's called it. Is that right? Stand up and accept your healing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. How many of the rest of you want to accept your healing? Jesus Christ is right here now to heal you. Do you believe that? All that wants to be healed, stand to your feet right now. Every person in the building that wants to be healed, stand to your feet. Raise up your hands like this to God. Almighty God, the author of life, the giver of every good gift, as our spirit is here tonight, I pray that you'll heal every person in this building. Thou art here. The Holy Spirit is here. And I now, as your servant, along with these other servants, curse every disease that's in here. May the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, heal every person in here. Satan, leave these people in Jesus Christ's name. Now let the people that's got their hands up say praise God and go to rejoice. Let's have the musicians come. Sometimes it's good to catch a picture in front of us. God has not hid these things in a corner. But he's done these things. You can stand to your feet. You can start to play something. Let's just play, he is here, he is here. I don't know if you would be a disciple in Jesus' day 
you'd be privy to the scene of a woman at a well. You'd be privy to what Jairus' daughter who had died, and Jesus comes to her. And on the road, there's a woman that had a blood issue for 12 years. It wasn't Jesus that sought her out, but he knew her. But it was something God had placed in her to just touch the hem of his garment. That God is not very far from any one of us. I don't have a gift like that gift. But the God that is the God of Elijah is the God that is making himself known. There is a people with an Elijah anointing just like Elisha had that is desiring more of him. That doesn't mean we're going to have gifts, but I believe you can come in a service and God can anoint a preacher. God can anoint somebody to sing a song and it can touch your heart and you can say, that was God in our midst today. I'm looking for that God in all our services. I don't just want to point back in history because the reason for all of those things is that we might have faith for the hour that we live in. Faith for our children. Faith for our conditions. Faith for whatever you need. He is here. Do you believe that He's here? Why don't you just let's sing this chorus unto Him. He is here. He is here. Oh, he is 